Hey, Sylvia. So, it is May 22nd, going on 10 p.m. in Istanbul. And I am finally recording you a letter. I actually did record you a letter, but then I listened to it and it put me to sleep. So, I'm going to try and record something that will hopefully not put you to sleep, or me to sleep, um, this time around. So, I have decided that I will touch upon three topics. Uh, otherwise, you know, I'm completely paralyzed by the number of things I actually want to talk about, and then I end up never sending you letters. So, um, my struggle to break this cycle continues. <laughs> and here we are, yes. So, um, so first of all, I just wanted to talk a little bit about where I've been and where I'm going. And first of all, as you know, I was in London, and so were you, and we reunited, and it was amazing, and it was wonderful, and we reunited and got to see and hear Jeanette Winterson um, speak about T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland um, in a cathedral, which, you know, was probably the best sermon, uh, quote-unquote, I guess, secular sermon I've ever heard. And yeah, and thank you for taking the photos. I can't believe I have photos of me with Jeanette Winterson. And yeah, sweet stuff. And the vegan burgers afterwards were amazing. So yeah, it was great to be in London. Um, although getting COVID was not that stellar, of course, but uh, not that surprising. Uh, it seemed like the fair was a bit of an incubator for COVID since pretty much everyone that I met, or probably 80% of the people I met with, uh, got it during the fair, or just right after, or realized they had it right after, but I'm sure we all caught it at the fair, uh, was pretty shocking how lax Londoners were about masking. Um, I was pretty surprised. I think here even they were better. Now even here, though, it's, I mean, just in the space of the last, you know, few weeks, it pretty much most people have dropped the masks um, to a large degree, um, almost all together, I would say. So anyway, yeah, so there's that. And then came back, recovered, and I've been in the process of moving, as you know. So um, I'm actually going to be moving on Tuesday to this new place on the island, which means I will be uh, moving out of my wonderful neighborhood and out of this very nice apartment I've lived in for about a decade now. Um, but it is an apartment that is below ground, and so I'm extremely excited to be moving uh, above ground. Um, and it does have this kind of, I think, symbolic significance for me as well. Um, and, you know, being in a space where I'll just get, see more sun um, is, is, I mean, infinitely, infinitely exciting for me. Uh, to be honest, and it's a bit, you know, more spacious. I have a little guest room now, which is great. It has a little balcony, and um, it has space for a punching bag, right? So that's also, that's another topic. I'm going to talk about boxing again. Sorry, I just, you know, can't get enough of talking about boxing, so that's another topic. But uh, yeah, I'm going to have, I'm gonna, so you can come visit me and stay in my guest room and punch my punching bag and it'll be great. And we'll be on an island. It'll be very cool. So, you know, buy your tickets. Um, I was just in Jerusalem last week, or this past week, I guess. 
um, for the Jerusalem Fellowship. I was asked to speak on a panel about that was basically it was a panel of several of us who uh, work in countries other than our homelands. And I mean, you could have been on that panel. I was thinking how many uh, friends of mine could have been on that panel. How and in a lot of cases, I think we we kind of gravitate towards each other, which is interesting. It's almost like there's this homeland of the of the exiled, whether that be self-imposed exile or not, but basically people, yeah, living very far away from home, let's say. Um, but yeah, that was that was great. I was just there three nights. Um, one thing I realized, and this was kind of true in London, was was uh, that I'm I'm I've just I'm a morning person now, and I can't stay out that late, and I actually almost don't want to drink at all. <laughs> um, it's gotten even worse since London. I don't know what I'm going to do with this sobriety of mine. It's insane. I feel like I'm turning into one of those memes about old people, you know, where, uh, like, all, I mean, they're pretty, they're trite and cliche, but in my case, they appear to be kind of true. So just as I failed to go to a gay bar in London this year, I also failed to go to cassette bar, um, or video bar, sorry, in, uh, in Jerusalem, Jerusalem's only gay bar, where I was like five nights or something, um, back when I was a fellow in Jerusalem. And yeah, so my my reputation as a a visitor of gay bars wherever I go is kind of ruined in 2022. I mean, it's pretty pathetic. I don't know. I'm just I want to go home and go to sleep. I mean, I want to hang out with I want to see my friends. I want to hang out. I like the I love the long dinners and the conversation and all of that, but uh yeah, the partying, my I don't know if I really ever had a partying spirit, but whatever. I'm just, yeah, I like seven hours sleep, preferably eight, and uh, I like to wake up sober. I don't know. What's happening to me, Sylvia? What's happening to me? Um, so that's that's that. And then, yeah, so I moved this week, and then I'll be coming to the States the end of June for a couple of weeks, almost three weeks. Sadly, I will not make it to Austin this time around. Um, I'm only going to do Chicago, Milwaukee, Ohio. Um, I'm thinking that next year or possibly the year after, so I'm a summer baby, right? So maybe to celebrate, like to commemorate kind of my 44th or my 45th, I'll do my Grand Greyhound tour, which will include, for example, I think New Orleans and Austin and Phoenix and um, lots of places where I have friends or family and, and places I, I just I haven't seen yet that I really want to and people I haven't seen for a long time maybe and and just people yeah like to see again so that's that's something I'll be looking forward to in the farther future but for now yeah I'm I'm looking forward to going home after three years of not being able to go home um, to Ohio and I'm very much looking forward to this Def Leppard concert on the 15th of July in Cincinnati I basically planned my trip around this concert It'll be my first time seeing Def Leppard live. And, you know, I've been a fan since elementary school. Um, since Hysteria, really, which is kind of when most people discovered Def Leppard. I mean, Pyromania was pretty big, too. But it was it was Hysteria that brought Def Leppard to Tarleton, Ohio, um, I think. So, 
yeah, and it's, they're kind of, you know, they're, I don't know if I've talked about them very much, but they're kind of a group that now I listen, you know, I listen to their songs and I remember kind of this, the angry, sad aspect of, of some of their songs that really, um, I think probably helped me through some pretty hard times. Uh, so I love their fun songs as well, but it's really these, the angry, sad songs where you can just, you know, you're, you're so sad and you scream it out. Um, I think I gravitated towards those songs and I still do, and I still love them. Um, and I, well, I still, yeah, I love them all. So I'm really excited. And Joan Jett is one of the opening acts. I mean, how crazy is that? Right. Um, so also phenomenal. And yeah, and I'm actually going with a friend from elementary school who was one of the friends who made fun of me. I was the only, only kid in, in my elementary school that was, um, a Def Leppard fan. Everybody else was Poison fans, you know, and this was like, you picked, you picked rock, you picked your big hair rock groups, like you picked, um, football teams and I was Def Leppard, you know, and now looking back, I'm quite proud of my dedication and let's face it Def Leppard is the best of all those groups I mean they just came out with a new album dude they're still rocking they're freaking amazing so yeah Def Leppard I love Def Leppard and I'm so looking forward to this concert so and then after that Frankfurt definitely going to Frankfurt and I hope I'll see you in Frankfurt and in Frankfurt I will be at the lesbian bar I will be at the dyke bar I'm I'm staying very near to it this year just to make sure you know so I think that's where we should all hang out every night instead of the Frankfurter Hof um just so you know um yeah that's that's where you can find me where everyone can find me in the evenings so that is my first topic my second topic is um and I made this number 2 so that I can end on a high note because topic number 2 is a low note and that is the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial which I've become kind of semi obsessed with and it has me you know looking at Twitter more than I've ever looked at Twitter in my life and I have to tell myself to just stop because it's very infuriating and yeah I don't know I you know you see the tweets about with so much going on in the world today why are people so obsessed with this trial and you know there's something to say with that but there's always so much going on in the world and there you know you can only keep up with so much and this trial is extremely important I think I think it's so symbolic of this backlash against me too and I mean the toxic masculinity and just the the support this dude's getting Oh, God, I mean, and just the blind and I mean, just the lies, you know, and it's it's been revealed that Johnny Depp's, you know, organized this smear campaign. It's like proven fact. Um, And yet still people stand behind him and root for him. And, you know, people comparing this to the fangirls of Jeffrey Dahmer and stuff, which I don't know. I mean, obviously, that's 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 another case for sure. Um, but I mean, oh, it's so infuriating, so infuriating. And I think, yeah, it strikes a chord with me. And even though I've never experienced anything, any abuse or to, to the, to the degree of what they're talking about or really any abuse at all, I, you know, I, I was, I, I did speak out about this kind of attempted, um, uh, assault 
by uh, an author here when several women started speaking out at the same time. And uh, I mean, it was, you know, even that was jarring and it was a bit of just a, a blip really in the in the, the in social dialogue here and what happened but um I don't know I it, maybe that maybe that does make me even more enraged so I can't imagine just how enraged people who've been through similar experiences must be and I really don't get the support for Johnny Depp I mean I really really do not get it um at at the very least I would expect people to just shut up but the the support that they're voicing and just the the vitriol and the insults and I mean it's so juvenile and just so you know it it, it is kind of you know the whole the death of truth I mean <laughs> there's there true there's such a thing as a fact right um and anyway yeah um, so it's also been interesting seeing people bring up, uh, the whole the biphobia involved in this and the way that, you know, some, some of Johnny Depp's actions are due to his jealousy of Amber Heard supposedly flirting with women and, and he seems to have been, you know, p- plenty possessive and paranoid with previous partners but with Amber Heard it's like it was twice as bad or something because all of a sudden you know she could be getting it on with anybody in his mind and yeah so it falls into all these cliches and ugh, it's just so ugly so ugly and yeah so um I'll, I'll, I don't know I'll keep obviously you know keep following it but I don't I don't think it I don't think that this bodes well for the near future at least we'll see what happens I don't know if you've been following it at all, but I can't imagine you... Well, yeah, let me know. Um, I was going to say I can't imagine, you know, you think much differently from me, of course. So may, I'm just maybe obviously preaching to the choir here, but yeah, it has... I mean, it's, I have very strong feelings about it. I don't know why it stirs up so many, so many, so many feelings. Um, most of them, obviously, anger um, <laughs> in my case. So... Yeah, which, you know, speaking of, although I shouldn't say boxing has a lot to do with anger. I think actually I'm a very generally not uh, confrontational person. And, uh, yeah, um, I, I think, you know, boxing is a sport and it is a beautiful sport. So that was a horrible segue, forgive me, but I'm not going to start this letter over. So. Yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit about boxing, which I know I've discussed before because I'm like a fangirl of boxing now too, and I have been, I guess, for a little over a year um, or so. So I'm, I, I think I've talked about it before, but you know what? I'm going to keep waxing poetic about boxing for a while, I think, because I really, really love it. I love doing it. I wish I do could do more of it, and I wish I'd started this 30 years ago. But, you know, a 43-year-old woman who's just getting starting into boxing is probably not going to get too far. But I love it. Um, and I love the way that, it, on, you know, you, you have to not think about what you're doing in order to do it right. And it's this weird form of concentration I've never, never experienced before. Um, and it's a lot like meditation for me, I think, in a way. So, yeah. 
I'm I'm just really loving the boxing and I'm so looking forward to having the punching bag in my home. And so I did want to touch up on I did want to tell you which I think I texted you about this because I'm I was very obsessed, you know, with this uh the Katie Taylor Amanda Serrano fight, which was on the 30th of of April, which is the first night I spent at my new place, which, so it does have a bed, it's just missing a lot of other things right now, but it's possible to stay there, so I stayed there, and, um, you know, set my alarm for 4 a.m., and got up, put on some coffee, and got ready to watch this Taylor Serrano fight at Madison Square Garden, so it's the first, first time, um, two women boxers have headlined at Madison Square Garden, totally sold out, um, you know, you've got an Irish boxer versus a Puerto Rican boxer. And I will say, I mean, boxing is very, nash- is, I mean, boxers tend to be very nationalistic, which is kind of disappointing for me, but I get it. Um, and in the case of, you know, Ireland versus Puerto Rico, um, I, I actually rather appreciated it. And I love both fighters and I admire them greatly. And I really wanted both of them to win, which of course is impossible. But it, uh, yeah, it made for such a wonderful, absolutely wonderful spectacle. And I mean, just watching this fight, I experienced so many emotions. And I don't know why. <laughs> I have no idea why this damn sport all of a sudden has hit me in such a visceral way so I mean I was on the verge of tears at points I was so excited I was you know trying to keep myself from yelling out in the the middle of the night um I only wish I had I need some other you know boxing loving friends um is is what I need to find because it's you know it's a bit lonely being this obsessed by myself and watching these matches all the time by myself or these fights um but yeah it's fine i also went to a live went to live a live boxing night um the week before last for the first time so that was very exciting as well and yeah i'm getting a bit i'm getting increasingly immersed it's pretty crazy um so yeah, and I'm reading right now this book called Seconds Out, Women in Fighting by Alison Dean, published by Coach House, this, the wonderful, wonderful Canadian press. And um, I thought I'd end by just uh, referring and, and quoting a little bit from a treatise uh, published in 1985 called On Boxing, written by Joyce Carol Oates. And I think people have mentioned this to me, and like, have you read it? I said, oh, no. And, and I actually, I just assumed... I mean, I don't know, I, you know, boxing and Joyce Carol Oates are not two things I would usually um, juxtapose. But um, I assumed that it was it was probably, the, you know, quite wonderful and politically, I don't know, spot on. I don't know. I don't actually even know that much about Oates, so I don't know why I had this idea. But what she has to say is something, um, <laughs> actually, I don't know. Well, I want to read you a quote um, from... Dean, who in part uh, quotes Joyce Carol Oates, and maybe end on this and get your thoughts about it. So, as reader, I'd like to give myself over to the book and see the boxing world through Oates-colored glasses, but something keeps getting in my way. Like many men before her and since, the author has read the room and seen what she wanted to see. Her audience is male. As the lone woman present in that imaginary room, she takes her own interest and her own privileged presence as the exception that proves the rule. 
By Oates' estimation, the world of boxing is the land of men. Quote, men fighting men to determine worth, unquote, is compared to, quote, the female experience of childbirth, unquote. Each is a biologically hardwired truth, a space of struggle and reckoning, it seems, that accommodates one sex and excludes the other. By setting up a quote-unquote natural distinction between boxing and childbirth, Oates offers an equation in which the quote-unquote unnatural female who wants to fight gets lumped in with the childless woman or the woman whose reproductive organs don't line up with the cisgender model of femininity. In parentheses, if men fight men to determine their masculine worth, why do, who do women fight in childbirth, I wonder? In parentheses. Quote, in any case, Oates famously states, Raw aggression is thought to be the peculiar province of men, as nurturing is the peculiar province of women. Parentheses. The female boxer violates this stereotype and cannot be taken seriously. She is parody, she is cartoon, she is monstrous. Had she an ideology, she is likely to be a feminist. In parentheses, end quote. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, even here, Dean... Gives Oates a little bit of an out by pointing out that she says is thought to be the particular province, right? So does she also buy into this or not? It's somewhat unclear, but given the other quotes, it seems like she's uh, this. You know, she's arrived at this <laughs> this uh, conclusion and this analogy, and and by her own means, which seems like she's buying into it. So I don't know. So here we have, you know, you who have given childbirth, birth to two children and me who has not done so and is really obsessed with boxing. Um, and I thought this might be um, an interesting thing to talk about or even think about. I mean, who would think about juxtaposing these two things? You know, what, what, who, what were you fighting and proving in childbirth? Um, and, yeah, what what does a woman possibly have to fight or prove by um, engaging in boxing? I don't know. They're kind of silly questions on the one hand. Um, they did make me think of Titan, though. I mean, this passage made me think of uh, Titan and, you know, which which kind of in a way, deal. I mean, which also deals, you know, with masculinity and childbirth and I especially thought of how the main character, you know, disfigures her own face. That's one thing she does. I mean, obviously to make herself unrecognizable and 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 appear like this person in the photo. But it also, I mean, she breaks her nose, you know, which in a way, I mean, it really just like she's been in a fight, um, which is uh, more, you know, uh, masculine territory, right? It's a marker of masculinity to have a a, a broken nose. Um, for a woman, which is something Dean points out is, you know, for a woman to have a, a black eye or a broken nose or anything, the first thing people think is domestic abuse. Um, they don't think that they might be a fighter um, or a boxer, Muay Thai fighter or whatever. So, yeah, so I'll end on that note and I'll let you go. And I won't go on and on about how bad the worst person in the world is or how much I really liked Grace and Frankie um, and how sad I am that it's over and how I'm watching the new season of Hacks right now. I won't talk about any of those things um, or about the finale of Killing Eve and 
whether that qualifies as bury your gaze or not. I'm going to skip all those topics, Sylvia, but if any of them sounds interesting to you and you want to ask me about them, you're more than welcome to do so. Um, And yeah, I also won't talk about all the country music I've been listening to recently, getting very nostalgic, listening to a lot of 80s, 90s country music. Um, You know, so these are all all things I'm not going to broach in this letter. So I think that's enough for now. I've gotten the ball rolling again. Let's hope I keep it rolling. And yeah, I look forward to hearing back from you. And yeah, love you, Sylvia. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon.